The freight industry has a massive problem of inefficiency. It's called empty miles. 35% of trucks on the road today are driving empty, and our environment is paying the price, with millions of CO2 metric tons of emissions wasted every year. Be part of the solution with Convoy. Visit convoy.com sustainability. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero Carbon, a show of freight waves where we focus on information, insights, and inspiration of sustainability and freight. Today, I'm joined by Tyler Cole, our very own Director of Carbon Intelligence. Tyler, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, Danny. Glad to be back. So, Tyler, you really embody the spirit of the show. Um, you know, every time that we speak, I'm informed, I'm inspired. You provide insights into what's happening into the, the industry, not only in transportation, really, but just sustainability at large. So I appreciate that. And I think what we have for our listeners and viewers today is going to be really good in that when I kind of came into this conversation, one of the things that was hard to do was to keep up with what everyone was saying, because there was a lot of acronyms, a lot of references to standards bodies. Um, and, you know, in in trying to provide, again, this information to folks, having this baseline, I think, will be super, super helpful. So um, I appreciate you doing this for us and helping uh, bring us along. Um, before we get started, do you mind just giving us a little bit of background um, professionally and then how you got to Freight Waves? And I'm going to ask um, your question back at you. Um, why does sustainability matter? Oh, man. I don't want to totally reinvent the wheel. I think we've done this a little bit before, but um, I appreciate those those kind words. We all are on the same path of learning together. And every day, the goal is to just do a little bit better, get a little bit smarter and make more of a difference than we did yesterday. So thank you. Um, yeah, relatively new to Freight Waves. July 1st was my first day. Prior to that, uh, experience in both freight brokerage and environmental commodity trading. Um big fan of freight waves. And when Craig and team leaned into sustainability, um, I was active on Twitter and sent him a note. And six months later, we're here working together and working on a product and got a show. And, you know, we like to move fast over here at freight waves. And, and that's a good thing because in the world of sustainability with all the pledges coming out and the direction the globe's moving, it's, it's happening pretty rapidly. So um, I definitely think I'm on the right team. Um, it, it matters to me because it just feels like the world's changing. And maybe as I'm getting older and my kids are getting older, I've got more of a, a lens to their future than I did when I only cared about what was happening to me. So maybe my, my frame of reference has gotten a little bit broader, but alternatively, you know, we're all seeing what's happening in the news. We all saw wildfires this summer. We all um, are seeing, you know, wetter summers, um, floods, extreme weather events, and whether that's a result of better media coverage or the reality, the potential reality that it is happening more and more frequently, um, I've just had my eyes opened to the trend and, and I want to make an impact and, and see how I can use my experience and my education and my, my gifts to try and impact, you know, something better happening for the future. So I want to be part of the change. Yeah, well, we're, we're glad you're, you're on the case. Um, you know, you said something about your children to me, that's when, you know, when someone was describing or I was thinking about sustainability, um, you know, that really thinking about the future um, and what sustainability re really means, help us break it down, I think, just for everyone else. Like when you think about sustainability or when that word is thrown out, um, 
it's a big, you know, it's a very broad word, but it's talking about a very specific problem. Can you just elaborate on what, what people, you know, when you see the word sustainability, what should people be, be thinking? Definitely. Um, let's start with this. This is one of my favorite definitions. It's probably the most quoted. Um, it came from the UN World Commission, and it says that sustainable development is that which meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs, right? So it's the idea that we can live in such a way today that doesn't take away from the opportunities of future generations coming after us. Um, there's another really good one that UCLA put out that I'll read that's um, called sustainability, the integration of environmental health, social equity, and economic vitality in order to create thriving, healthy, diverse, and resilient communities for this generation and generations to come. And it recognizes both the interconnected nature the need for a systems approach and the acknowledgement that it is a complex subject, because as you said, it is broad. It does encompass everything. There's always an activity that can be done more sustainably, whether you're in freight or whether you're in healthcare or whether you're in HR, industry, government, there's always a way to do something from a frame of mind or from a, a, a place where your goal is to have this outlast you or be better in the future or certainly not harm others in the future, right? It's just a mindset. Um, but yeah, in simplest terms, it's about our children and our grandchildren at the end of the day in the world that we're going to leave them. Yeah. And I think we have the privilege of having conversations with a lot of different companies to understand what they're doing. And it is inspiring to see that people are focusing or starting to focus on the transportation side, but it, to your point, it doesn't stop there. Um, we even, you know, recently talked to Convoy about some of the things that they're doing on the diversity side, which is um, a great thing to highlight. You know, well, let's get to our first acronym here. Um, you mentioned the UN um, SDGs. Break that down for us, please. UN SDGs, um, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Um, we should flash up a, a picture of them. They're pretty world famous at this point coming from the United Nations, but um, they're a compilation of 17 categories, 17 goals, each that have their own specific targets and metrics behind them. And they're created to promote prosperity for all countries while protecting the planet. Um, the UN recognized that, you know, if we want to do things like end poverty, it's got to go hand in hand with other strategies, things that build economic growth. We can't just focus on one thing. We've got to recognize the interconnected nature and the systems approach that's needed. And so they came out with this very encompassing list of goals um, that address a range of social needs, education, health, social protection, job opportunities, all while you know still tackling climate change and protecting the environment. So you've got this very broad range of um, sustainability goals. You know, for us here at Freight Waves, obviously we're focused on transportation. From that broad list, um, you know, what do you think the logistics providers should be focusing on? Good question. There's a handful of guys out there that are way further down this curve than you might think, right? There's large, especially European, um, global shipping companies, freight forwarders, parcel carriers that are already making these part of their core competencies and making commitments, right? Um, and typically what you'll see from at least that forward thinking group, and I think this is true of the rest of the industry, is um, calling out just like five or six of these 17 that speak more to the slice of industry that we occupy. So things like um, number four is quality education. Number five is gender equality. Number six is clean water and sanitation. Um, number eight, decent work and economic growth. Number 11, sustainable cities and communities. And number 13, climate action. 
And if you break all those down, most of these goals and initiatives are already relevant and being in use by, by many firms, right? Sustainability in general has a lot of common, common sense built into it. We just want to broaden our scope of stakeholders in our, in our activities, right? So you talk about quality education and gender equality. Well, of course, right? If we're going to be running a trucking company or a logistics services firm, like I want my daughter to have the same opportunity that your son does if they want to go work there. Um, I want them both to have access to the same education, the same workforce training. I want them to be able to obviously have clean water and sanitation. I think in, in other developing countries, that's a much, much more prescient problem than it is here in the U S. Um, but decent work and economic growth, you talk about driver shortages, right? <laughs> Labor issues. Like how do we make this, um, need to move goods around economical and profitable for everyone, including the least of these, right? And then cities and communities, you know, the freight sector has been involved in cleaning a lot of this up for a long time. I mean, do you remember smog in LA in the, in the eighties, right? Like when we determined ozone was an issue and was causing smog and acid rain, like that's why we have a lot of these truck regulations we have today. It's because there were pressing problems that we got to react to because we want sustainable, clean cities and communities with good drinking water. Um, and the same is true of climate action. When you, when you think about it, just kind of situating this for a second, um, and we'll, we'll get deeper into this later in the conversation, but how do people interact with these goals? Does that make sense? Like as a company, you can go see them, you can view them, but like, how do you incorporate them? How do you interact with them as it pertains to your business? Sure. Um, well, they're there, I mean, for everyone's education and you can certainly reach out to the UN and get plugged in. They've got other initiatives like um, the one convoy and them just join, right? The climate, uh, the UN global compact um, where you're essentially raising your hand as an organization and saying, hey, we're going to contribute and focus on these. These will be a priority for our organization. So if you're an individual, look at them, learn them, understand what they are and how you might be able to impact them. If you're an organization, um, again, it starts with education and, and reminding yourself of what's important and then how you can tie that in to just global initiative to better the world. Um, but yeah, there's, there's opportunities for you to reach out to the UN and get involved if you want to do it more systematically or structured or be on a panel or sign a compact, things like mm -hmm. that. And, you know, in that, you know, we talk to a lot of firms that are understanding what these goals are, how they relate to their business. We often talk about measuring, right? As kind of, you've gotten to this stage, you see what the obligations are, you're committed to doing something about them. You're trying to figure out what your first step is. And we, we often say that the first step is to measure, even if you don't think that you're going to do it right the first time, just don't be scared to take a step. Um, you know, there's a whole framework around emissions accounting, GHG accounting. Let's spell out some acronyms and give some some meaning to what it all means. Oh, Lord. I mean, we can go super basic and get to just breaking down the GHGs, right? Greenhouse gases when we're talking about measuring. Um, so the primary greenhouse gases as defined in the Kyoto Protocol, which was late 90s, and it was really the, one of the first big international climate treaties where people... Uh, were governments around the world committed to act to solve a specific problem, right? And this was more ozone focused in, in the 90s, but they, they outlined six greenhouse gases. So CO2, here come your acronym. CO2 is uh, carbon dioxide, CH4 is methane, N2O is nitrous oxide, HFCs, hydrofluorocarbon, oh, that one's hard, hydrofluorocarbons, PFCs, perfluor, and that one's even harder, perfluoro, perfluorocarbons, man, Try that three times. And SF6, sulfur hexafluoride. Uh, the, you see why we have abbreviations for some of these, right? Because they're a little difficult to say. 
Um, but these are the GHGs, and they are all kind of bundled in what's called the GHG protocol, is the most widely recognized source of carbon accounting. Um, it's the standard most people use, and it's where you get some of the scopes that we'll talk about in a minute. But what that protocol did was it's that same group of governments that said, look, we've got to understand what we're targeting, and we've got to have a simple way to be able to break it down so we can measure it. So that protocol is where you get your scopes and where you get your CO2Es. So it takes all six and puts them in carbon equivalents. So it looks at the global warming potential, GWPs, of each of those over a, a certain amount of time, over 100 years, and they relate them back through factors to get to a carbon equivalency. So it's it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but it's, it's very relevant. And I'm happy we have a structure that gets it back to a fairly easy, uh, commonly used denomination in, in carbon equivalents. Who, who oversees that? Um, WRI was a big part of writing it, the World Resources Institute. Um, but I believe there's a separate entity for GSG protocol that manages and approaches that. And that's that's been kind of the sublayer foundation for other additional emissions accounting frameworks that, that has come out. The GLEC, when we talk about a lot, builds on a lot of those GHG protocol principles. But this is a global standard that people can look to. Exactly. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com slash sustainability. All right. So you mentioned scopes um, and we talk about this a lot. What is scope one? What is scope two? What is scope three? If I'm in scope three, what does that mean for the person that I'm in scope three for? Um, so <laughs> let's go through it all. What are the scopes? And then the one I love is um, my scope your scope three is my scope one and two and potentially three. No, your scope one and two are my scope three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Um, yeah, let's talk about those. So scope one, emissions that are your direct emissions that occur from sources that you control or own. So think about uh, fuel use in vehicles, boilers, furnaces. Um, if you're a manufacturing entity, the emissions that are coming out of your production facility would be your scope one. Um, and that's the majority. Like if you're an asset fleet owner, let's try and tie everything back to freight. Right? Um, if you're an asset fleet owner, your scope one emissions are the emissions from combusting fuel in your fleet. That's the primary bulk of your, your asset uh, emissions. Scope two emissions would be similar. They're, they're in use by you, but you don't own or control them. So they're indirect emissions associated with the purchase of electricity, right? So if you're a fleet, it's going to be your electric bill for your HQ or your terminals, right? You don't own the, the facility producing that power, which is emitting, whether it's a, depending on where you are, it could be wind, could be gas, could be coal, depending on what geography you're in or who your utility is, but that's your scope two emissions. Um, scope three emissions is commonly called, commonly called value chain emissions. And those are the result of all assets and activities not owned by you. So emissions from uh, indirect suppliers, essentially everything not in the scope one or scope two boundary, right? Um, and it's important to remember, as you said earlier, the scope three emissions of one firm generally is made up of the direct scope one and scope two emissions from others. So if you think about a large manufacturer, their inbound raw materials and ingredients and packaging, those are all scope one emissions from somebody else. It could be the transportation supplier 
um, or it could be the asset owner, or it could be the the sugar mill, whatever it is. But um, is that clear? I feel like it's a it's a tough thing to get around thinking where the boundaries lie. But if you just think about what I do, the scope one, who I buy power from, is scope two. Everything else is scope three. Is the easiest way. Okay, you you understand what the sustainability goals are. You decide that you know you want to do something about them in your own business, in your own life. You've taken on this goal of trying to understand what your footprint looks like. Um, but you need to communicate those goals, right? It's helpful to for people to understand, you know, the things that you're trying to do. And there's a lot of terms that are thrown out there. There's ESG reporting, CSR reporting, sustainability reporting. Um, and in those varying levels of, um, of detail and commitment, talk a little bit about why it's important, maybe just what those are in general, and then why it's important for firms to be communicating out. Yep. We love more acronyms. Those are good ones to break down. Uh, <laughs> and, and this is another space where we're all kind of on the bus together learning because it's not a, it's a rapidly evolving discipline in sustainability. And it's, it's some somewhat vague. We don't have very clear global standards on reporting and measuring. Right. Um, but let's break down the acronym CSR corporate social responsibility, ESG environment, social and governance, and they're they're interrelated very much so, but they're they're also different in what they cover. So, the CSR would be your your ideal, your company values. It gives context to what's on the sustainability agenda um, for the firm, uh, and maybe a little bit about the corporate responsibility culture. If you think of core values, ethics codes, health and safety standards, um, reducing carbon footprint, obviously fair wages fair treatment of employees, et cetera. You know, these are typical CSR policies that are oftentimes qualitative. that can be difficult to measure because they're more about, you know, things we won't do or what we will work towards. They're, they're rarely full of data, right? But they do serve as an important step for firms who are especially just launching this journey in freight. There's very few firms that have a CSR report. I think of the top publicly traded firms, less than half of them have any sort of CSR ESG report let alone the long tail of smaller and medium business owners, right? So that's a good starting place. CSR would be, what do we stand for? And then you go to ESG, and the ESG is really helping you come in with measurable data-driven change. They help, these criteria help investors and customers make decisions about the risks associated with certain companies and the ethics of certain companies. They're typically backed by data, and they're linked to, um, to future targets, and they're generally measurable over time. So if you think about progress reports on like the percent of recycled materials a company wants to use uh, or an absolute emission reduction by a certain year, um, that would be like a scope one and scope two. Sometimes you see them make a commitment towards scope three, but they always have data behind them. So they're measuring and then they're using that to track progress over time. Um, there's a quote that simplifies these two a little bit, and it's uh, CSR aims to make a business accountable and ESG criteria make those efforts measurable. And so in these ESG reports, in public statements in general, probably the most common one we hear is people, the show. People want to be net zero, carbon neutral, climate positive. Can you, can you go through those a little bit and help us, um, help really the viewers and the listeners understand when you say those things, what are you actually committing to doing um, and how they're different? That is a great question <laughs> and one that, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty over what means what, because again, we don't have a clear standard. 
I can tell you net zero refers and points back to the Paris 2015 climate accord that says, hey, in order to avoid the worst possible outcomes of climate change, we want to hold temperatures below two degrees, now one and a half degrees centigrade by 2050, because these greenhouse gases that go up into the atmosphere, they don't dissipate quickly. They're there for hundreds of years. So if we continue on the path where we continue to emit without reducing or removing what's going to be in the atmosphere by 2050 will have long-term effects well beyond that year. So that's why they say net zero by 2050. That gets you to avoid the worst possible changes of what scientists would call the worst possible changes of global warming. So that's where net zero comes from. Unfortunately, there's not an extremely clear definition that's measurable behind that other than we want to reduce or remove as much as we emit, right? So if I continue to grow and emit more, then I've got to find some way to compensate for my emissions. And a lot of times that's where you see people get into the realm of offsets. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, there's lots of terms. Net zero, carbon neutral would be a similar concept, right? If I'm carbon neutral, I likely am buying offsets. I've measured my my footprint and I'm paying for some sort of offset um, to compensate for that total volume of emissions. Um, but there's a million of these, Danny. There's you know plastic neutral, climate positive, carbon negative, and they're all some form of a company saying, hey, we've measured and here's the action we're taking and now we're claiming and marketing this, right? And it's, it's happening from a lot of really um, good firms. Companies like Microsoft are doing the work to really understand their emissions and really invest in solutions. Obviously, you've seen everything that Gates is doing to lead this charge. So it's no surprise that Microsoft will be doing that. But there's other smaller firms that you'll see any sort of a green logo or label on a, a piece of um, consumer goods in a store. If, if it's on the packaging, it's got a green label. You know, Unless there's a QR code where you can scan and drill down into exactly what that means, you're kind of left to your own devices to understand. I think this is good. Green means good, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> I think that's a good, um, good idea for a follow-on episode where we go through different certifications or, you know, um, groups that you can join coalitions. Um, there's a lot of them out there and I know it's tempting for people to, to want to jump in or even to make the statement. Um, but there's a lot of homework that needs to go in before doing that. You did mention something that I want to put out as a teaser for a show that we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks, which is offsets. And so, you know, we talked, um, a couple of weeks ago to, to Bart DeMont from Gartner about the pyramid they did and bottom is measure and then you be more efficient and then you go into partnerships and at the very top there's these these offsets um that's going to be super exciting to jump into again this is this is the tease um offsets are a, a way for people to meet these outward facing statements that they make about being um carbon neutral net zero um and so we'll dive into that in a couple weeks and we'll also scratch on um or dive into really um in setting a topic that you and i love to to bat around. Um, so I just want to say, Tyler, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm going to ask you one last question, which I ask everybody, which is, um, what do you hope to see from the industry in order to, um, to collectively solve this problem or at least chip away at the problem? Man, I would love to be looking at carbon neutral <laughs> transportation and shipping in the next decade. Uh, we got a long, long way to go before we get there though. Let's start with just measuring. Let's just start with getting every transport provider measuring their emissions. I love that. This has been awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Danny.